Smith about 20 years ago. She's the only professional home economist and cookbook author I know who's also an alumnus of the Second City Comedy Troupe in Toronto, which means she's really funny. Marilyn is also a regular on City Line and has written a bunch of cookbooks, and she's a fiber evangelist. She'd get along so well with my dad. She was in town a while ago promoting her latest cookbook, Peace, Love, and Fiber, and so we went for lunch and then sat down to record this podcast before she hopped on a plane back home. So things kind of went sideways on the day we recorded this podcast. My laptop decided to melt down. It froze and it would not wake up. So there was a scramble to come up with an alternate microphone to record in the small window of time that we had. We ended up recording in a little room in Hotel Arts in downtown Calgary, which was great. But because of the different microphone, it sounds like we might be in a submarine under the ocean. So apologies for the sound quality on this one. But Marilyn is so great. She just ruled with it. We had tons of laughs. We talked about farts and food trends and Mike Myers. And it's a little bit more fun if you imagine that we're all talking about these things in a submarine. (laughs) So let's jump into the conversation at the point where I'm telling Marilyn about growing up with a dad who is a gastroenterologist. My dad is a gastroenterologist. So cool. Gums to bums. Yeah, see, I didn't think so at the time when I was a kid, but you know, apparently. Oh, he's very hip now. It he's is a very cool hip. profession to be in. <laughs> and he would put oat bran in everything. He's my hero. He, if it didn't exfoliate, going through it was not dinner. <laughs> I love, that's the best, okay? Because I can see those little bubbles, you know, the scrubby mm-hmm, bubbles mm-hmm. on that bathroom floor. Yeah, yeah, working its way through. Working its way through, that's so good. And our burgers were extra lean beef with oat bran, you know, and like half and half. Oh, yeah, it was it was a big thing. And now I put beans in everything because apparently you turn into your parents. <laughs> but I love, you know, Which when you talk about... whiskey. <laughs> turning into my parents anyway, oh really oh, oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah well you know we we pick up good things from our parents i <laughs> i too am a fiber enthusiast so yes. i understand your enthusiasm for it but the way you deliver it is so i don't know it's it's not as clinical as you know when it comes from dietitians and doctors and this advice to eat more fiber and the way you you deliver that message which you feel very strongly about is refreshing Thank you, because you know, I uh, I know it's dry. I mean, <laughs> fiber is <laughs> dry. <laughs> no, but no, the whole the whole nutrition thing can be dry. Mm-hmm. And so when I when you know, I got my degree from UBC, and I always thought I'm not going to be that person, and I'm just going to make all of this stuff fun and entertaining. That's kind of what I always thought. And then I got into Second City, <sighs> and so so I didn't do my food stuff for a long time. But when I went back to it, I went, you know what? This brings a whole new level. So yeah. why can't we be irreverent? I mean, I talk about farts in my cookbook. You know, I mean, who talks about... But I do write, you know, I'm going to talk about the elephant in the room. And if you don't want to read about farts, skip this section. Yeah, yeah. Because, you know, some people still are offended. I think that it's the most natural thing. I mean, certain countries, if you don't fart after dinner, the hostess is, you know, she's like, oh my gosh, you didn't like dinner? You know, so you're probably <laughs> farting in your sleep. Because oh, they no. have to come out, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I used to have this reoccurring nightmare <laughs> that I would be stuck in a sewer and I would like, I was like trying to find the manhole cover and I was like, and then I would wake up and the whole bedroom would stink and it would be my husband. So... <laughs> And we solved that, but we put him in another room. Anyway, so yeah. Is this still a nightmare? No, because he doesn't oh, sleep okay. in the same bed. <laughs> Only for special occasions. <laughs> Every second Saturday. <laughs> there it is. No, but he probably has about 300 a day. So if you're not having any, maybe he's having yours. It's I like don't know. 14 is average, but yeah, 300 yeah, yeah, is... you can excel. <laughs> <laughs> you got to be good at something. Yeah. Well, and you were... Like you said, you... 
I, I still like every time you mention Second City, it's just it's the cool it's the coolest. You were at Second City with Mike Myers. I know he was in my touring company. <sighs> oh my gosh! And you know back then mm-hmm. he had been fired a whole bunch of times and then went off to England. And when he came back, he came back with a Beatles suit. And so when he got back into the company, he kept wanting to do an English spy because he wanted to wear his Beatles suit. And I would always go, Michael, it's not even funny. And that was the beginning uh, of Austin Powers, man, because he worked wow. that he worked that character, worked that character, and he just like we all had a character that we worked on mine was Trixie and she was this yeah she talked like this and it was she was so obnoxious and nobody ever wanted me to do a scene with her yeah yeah so you know my character stunk but I mean he really worked that through do do you know um uh Chris uh oh gosh uh I forget his last name uh and he did Chris Farley and he did Down by the River you know the guy in a band down by the river he started doing that on stage in Chicago like you know like five years before he ever did SNL or how many years before so we all work on characters so Mike was working on Austin Powers like way back in the dawn of time yeah because it's a great it's a great character it my son is just into Austin Powers right now so you get to relive it yeah and he does improv I don't know if I've ever told you that's his thing that's he said to so me, awesome. he's like, mom, do you think I should be a stand-up comic or a fry cook when I grow up? <laughs> do you think I could do both? I'm like, you will have yeah, to. I was going to say, that's not an option. 100%. Yeah. And, and get another one on the side. <laughs> totally. Oh, yeah. Right? I was a starving actress for a long time. And I mean, you had to do a lot of stuff. Yeah. Just to do what you love. Totally, yeah. Which was improv. Yeah, I love that. It's like so much fun. <sighs> Yeah, but it's that's like therapy, you know. You just go and say whatever you want. Yeah. No filter. Oh, totally. <laughs> it, it it is like therapy, and I feel like it's a skill that serves you well no matter what you do in your life. Totally. I, I tell everybody. Everyone says, you know, how do I cook on TV? And I go, go to Second City. Go take an improv course. Yeah. But you just get to learn how to, you know, just say whatever that comes into your head. I mean, obviously you have to have a filter. You can't be like, you know, swearing. <laughs> and like, yeah, yeah. You can't do that. But but for sure, it'll just teach you how to think on your feet. Totally. And that's what it's all about. Right? Especially yeah. with cooking. Yeah, because things go wrong. <laughs> yeah. 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 And and people don't think that they do. And I think this is part of the problem <laughs> with the world. Yes. <laughs> but with, with the food world is everything is so staged and so styled and so perfect. And, and we think, oh, my food doesn't look like that. I'm a terrible cook because mine doesn't look like, you know, and you look at, you know, J- Jamie Oliver's TV show with the, the the credits run and there's seven food stylists, right? Like, of course their food looks fantastic because there are people picking the most beautiful strawberries and like the pressure is on and people have performance anxiety in the kitchen, but you make f- people feel comfortable about well, it. Well, because I, I don't post pictures that look like that, you know, because yeah. I post real pictures because I don't want to scare people off. There's enough people who are not going into their kitchen anyway. Mm-hmm. Why make it harder, right? I agree. I mean, so even though I cook all, I cook all, Everything in the cookbook that I do, I've cooked or that's been made in my kitchen and we just stick it on the bowl and take it out. And I had a stylus, but it was more with the props, you know, mm-hmm. or for some reason, everything <laughs> I see in a photograph, I can find a penis. And so it'd be like, or no, balls. Move, balls. Yeah, move yeah. that blueberry so that that doesn't look like a, so she'd be in there with her little tweezers. Because oh, yeah. for whatever reason... I see weird things, you know, oh, no. so, yeah. and I don't want someone to go, see, that was a really good picture, but did you notice that in the middle? Like, anyway, so that was what the styling would be involved with. So I would moving, see, moving the round moving objects the, ap- yeah. apart. Move yeah. the blueberry over there. Too yeah. close, yeah, too yeah, close. Yeah, too close. So, um, yeah, so my, my pictures are not styled. Um, and I try to make them all ordinary and like, re- no, just real. Not yeah. ordinary, just real. Not precious. No, gosh, no. Just like, you're going to eat this yep. now. Like, really? Does not look good. Yeah, yum. I went to a food styling s- seminar somewhere a while ago, and the food stylists speaking were like, 
this food that you photograph is not is never eaten. You don't eat this food. And I was like, no, not in my really? house. Really? Not yeah. in my house? Yeah. yeah. Like, I just don't understand. I shoot everything and then we eat and it. We eat it. Yeah. And, and a lot of people ask me, you know, if it's true that everything is plastic or everything is varnished or covered with a glue. And uh, yeah, I mean, not for me. I'm glad. It's, no, and no. that comes through with your... The only thing we ever do is I spritz with water mm. if we shoot outside and it's like, you know, fruit that looks all dried out. So yeah. That would be the only time and we just use water. Totally. I use yeah. a bit of oil, yeah. you know, like Unless just brush it on yeah, or whatever. Yeah. But no, you want to do minimal, right? Yeah. You want to make it approachable. And it, you, you want, want it to look. Make it. Exactly. Yeah. And you want it to look, actually look like what it's going to look like. I know. <laughs> it's really cool though, you know, because people, because of social media and because I haven't written a book in like four years. So oh, in that you're such a slacker. Year, in that <laughs> In that time frame, you know, the social media has changed. So now mm-hmm. people are sending pictures of their food to me. And so I get to see what they've done. Oh, and, cool. And they yeah. actually look like my picture. Isn't that great? And then I go, wow. Yeah. Like, like, oh, you did it. You know, yeah. which which is what you hope for. Of course. But so the fact that they do yeah. is very exciting. And it's like, oh, you like my children. Yeah. You know, yes. Yes. Like, don't, don't, don't all your recipes feel like your kids? Yeah. Like, you yeah. get really attached to them and yeah. you don't want anyone to hurt them or. Butcher them? Yeah, yeah, make them look awful. Yeah, really. It's like, what did you do to my baby? Yeah. Yeah, So it's really cool. I'm getting all these pictures with people like, look at what I made. It's like, it looks just like what I did. Yeah. It's real, right? So, yeah. Totally. And it's great to see that. Yeah, see that on social media. I always cringe when people come up and say, oh, I made your such and such. And I I kind of brace myself for. What are you going to say now? Oh, it was good. Okay, phew. Yeah. (laughs) It's hard. It's hard with recipes to. You know, without being too wordy, give people just enough direction with a little bit of, you know, there's so many variables in the kitchen, right? I mean, even yeah. I made some of your cocoa chewy brownie bites or what? They're so they're so <laughs> good. They're Willem's favorite lunchbox thing now, and they're like all barley and flax. But I had a different. I had run out of one kind of cocoa. I had a different kind of cocoa this morning when I made them. And again, a little bit different, you know. And you can't specify the brand of cocoa, the brand of salt. That like you can't control those things. So it's tricky to make a recipe that is foolproof without requiring that precision. That's a really good you know? point. So I try to write, so I use natural cocoa powder mm-hmm. because of the antioxidants. So mm-hmm. when you dutch a cocoa powder, you mm-hmm. reduce two thirds of the antioxidants, which is the heart healthy stuff, right? Yeah. So yeah. I just write natural and there's tons of different brands, but within exactly. those brands, exactly. I know. And so I've always wanted to be able to write a cookbook and go, these are the brands that I used, mm-hmm. but then people don't want to perceive that maybe you're getting paid by that company. And so there's always yeah. really anti that. So, and I never have gotten paid by those companies, but I've always wanted to be able to go, here's the one that I used when I rate, when I made this recipe. Cause it, it will actually help in success. Cause somebody, sure. somebody hand ground oats to make flour with one of my cookies. And it, they, they looked like Frisbees because they didn't grind it fine enough as compared to the, the barley flour or the oat flour that I, the oat flour rather, that I bought. Mm-hmm. And so I had to explain to that person that, you know, I didn't grind any of my own flours. And so maybe you really need to buy it. But that was yeah. my first one. And I, I didn't even think that anybody, whoops, that anybody would grind their own flour. It didn't even occur to no. me. Did it, would that occur to you? No. No. So that was maybe something that I missed as a... But I feel badly. You can't catch, but you can't catch everything, right? Yeah, I mean, but I was because I'm perfect. I, you absolutely <laughs> are. And this is your eighth cookbook, My eighth and you cookbook. also do recipe development on the side. What What do you think makes a a good recipe? It's a wonderful question. So it's whether okay. So I think a good recipe for sweet versus savory is different. Mm-hmm. Okay, so mm-hmm. savory, I think, is this really interesting balance between 
a sweet element, a, a bitter, a salty, and kind of maybe an acid. Mm-hmm. A lot of people want to put fat in there too, and I do use fat in recipes, but mm-hmm. and I think fat helps, but I think those tastes as opposed to mouthfeel. Yeah. So when you have that wonderful balance of all those things you know, yeah. that it's like, no, no, this this, this is it. Yeah. Like you can just tell. Yeah. And for, for sweet things, it's so much more chemistry. Yeah. And so... I always feel like an alchemist when I'm in the kitchen yeah. when I'm creating baking because it is. It's a science, man. And and so when I started creating recipes using barley and oat flour, everything changed. Like the ratio between the fat and the sugar, it, it all totally changed because yeah. of the way those flours absorb liquid. And mm-hmm. so I felt like, oh, it was so exciting. The baking end, which is the smallest chapter, took me the longest to create mm-hmm. because it was so hard to get that balance. Mm-hmm. But when I got it, it was like, I'm going to win a Nobel Peace. Yeah. <laughs> and then you have the award for the Nobel Peace Prize is Marilyn Smith for her chocolate brownie bites. Thank you. Everybody guess what? Making people happy and regular oh. one brownie bite at a time. Mm-hmm. So why why fiber? Fiber has been your thing ever since you beat I mean, for as long as I remember, which is yep. about twenty years. Yep. It's you don't jump on new diet fads or trends or you know it's you your message is very consistent and you've always been the queen of fiber <laughs> Even so self-proclaimed blood but anyway yeah that's okay, <laughs> okay. self-proclaimed counts all right good i i want to bring you home to my dad sometime <laughs> i do i mean my mom you know he's my hero he, come on oh come you, on, you guys on. could Mr. talk Oatbrand, hello someone who <laughs> he could converse like? with <laughs> who cares he was last night when i told him about you he said and did she talk about soluble versus insoluble fiber i'm like Oh, oh, oh yes. yeah, and beyond. And, and she, she was in resistant starch. Uh, that's what I Woo! said exactly. And he was, yeah, he was like, "Wow, I'm that's impressed." Cool. That's cool. Uh, so, but what? But why fiber? Why is fiber your thing? Okay, so my dad got diagnosed with heart disease when I was in university studying home ec. So I was in at UBC studying in the School of Home Economics, and although I had a broader, you know, course, most of my all my electives were nutrition because. It occurred to me that I could make my dad live longer if he changed the way he ate because I could see the link between lifestyle and, and heart disease even back then. And our, our professors had sort of made, uh, you know, there was new research. I mean, I'm talking over 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there was like hints of. And then, so I, I would like, you know, okay, well, what foods are people who are heart healthy supposed to eat? Mm-hmm. And when you look at those foods, they were all different. I mean, you know, seeds and nuts and pulses and and whole grains and fruits and vegetables they're different mm-hmm. so what was the through line and and yes they all have antioxidants in it but for me it was like no I think it has something to do with fiber mm-hmm. and it just was always in the back of my mind and so you know as we got farther in and I would research more fiber kept or what I perceived as fiber would keep coming at me mm-hmm. and so it was about 10 years ago where I went you know what I think I really am on to something because when they would talk about I had mercury poisoning about 10 years ago from eating too much fish. And yeah, and so I did a lot of research and it, it appeared that soluble fiber would reduce toxins in your body. So if you had any heavy metals, if you had a high soluble fiber diet, and I was thinking, okay, so that's right around the time I wrote a, a, a talk called How to Live to Be 100 and Still Remember Your Name. <laughs> and I looked at centenarians around the world and looked at the commonality of their food and the commonality of their lifestyle. And they all had them. They all had the same, they all exercised, they all had friends, they all were social, they all volunteered. Mm -hmm. And then when I looked at the food, they all had commonalities. They had groups like 
Tons of fruits and vegetables, tons of seeds and nuts. Some of them were vegetarian, some were not, but they all had a lot of fiber, but it was the soluble fiber, mm. like the stuff in eggplants, sweet potatoes, Brussels sprouts, citrus, um, avocado. And so when that all started to come out, that's when I really started going, you know what, I really, this is really important. Mm-hmm. And then in 2016, the Nurses' Health Study came out and said that there was a link between high or rich a diet rich in fiber, mm-hmm. generally, yeah. um, and a reduction of breast cancer. And when I have many friends that have had breast cancer. Some are here, some are not. And I thought, uh, if this can make a difference, then... And I'm not being all, you know, kumbaya and holier than thou, but I just thought, this is this is easy. Like, yeah. this is this is something we can all jump on. Like, we don't have to go out and buy crazy new foods or, or adopt a new crazy diet. This yeah. is a lifestyle. Mm-hmm. So if you just add more fiber to your diet every single day, you can reduce colorectal cancer, breast cancer, heart disease, stroke, type 2 diabetes. Hello! It's amazing. Show me where it is so oat bran is soluble fiber that's yeah. huge flaxseed which we get from the prairies mm-hmm. um, all the pulses you know I mean they all are loaded with some more insoluble some soluble mm-hmm. but it's that combination that just is the answer and, and it's I'm on a mission you are hey, she is glowing <laughs> I think she just levitated off the chair <laughs> about this because it's so easy well and it's 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 about adding more and not you know eliminating and we hear so much oh yeah don't eat that that and don't eat that and it's all about deprivation and you're about you know embracing the good food and enjoying it and and keeping it part of your your social life and your you know and, and just learning to make all those foods with with more fiber which is like you said you know in grains and nuts and seeds and pulses and fruits and vegetables like it's everywhere it is and you know like i that's why I had a treat section, a dessert ch- section. Because mm-hmm. I want you to be able to... I think you should have a dessert. I'm not anti that. No. I mean, I think there's moderation for sure. I mean, yeah. you can't have a treat three meals a day. Yeah. But you can have one. And so I wanted to make treats that you could enjoy with your life. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, you brought up a really neat thing, Julie, is that it's not just what we eat. It's the social atmosphere. It's mm-hmm. the, the coming together. It's, the, yeah. it's, it's how kind you are. It's what you get back in your life. I mean, yeah. all those things contribute yeah. to a healthy, happy person. And if you're yeah. in living in deprivation, I can't eat this and I can't do that, and then you get crabby and then you get constipated. I mean, yeah. it's a road to destruction. <laughs> I don't want you Chaos. to go down that road. Dogs and cats living together. <laughs> but it, 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 and it's true. I mean, we use food to socialize, to celebrate, to to comfort each other, to comfort ourselves, and 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 that's okay, right? We're told emotional emotional eating is bad, and eating is emotional. It is. Right? Like to bake for somebody or to, yeah. you know, to cook for somebody. And I feel like a lot of the diets out there are separating those those two, you know. There's sort a disconnect. Of, I totally yeah. agree. And, and yeah. we're, that's not our social animals, yeah. you know. I mean, we give love with food. Yeah. I think I draw the line when you make food your lover, you know. Yeah. But I just mean that if you make food your life, yeah. then that's a whole different deal. You mm-hmm. know? But I'm talking about having a really good, respectful relationship with food. Yeah. And loving it and letting it, it you know, help you and, and nurture mm-hmm. you, but to respect it and to respect yourself. And yeah. it's, it's like a package, right? And I mean, yeah. not wasting food, respecting that a farmer and a whole bunch of natural resources got that food yeah. to your table yeah. and to respect it and not to throw it out you know totally. like make do with something else or create a different thing or you know that it's like a whole yeah it's like having food as part of your family life you know yeah. not as something you just eat 
Well, and and not associating, you know, guilt or like guilty no. pleasures or you know, and that whole clean eating. Oh, don't. <laughs> yeah, we not we're not going to get right. started on that because you know what? You're just eating, okay? Yeah. Like I, people go. I was at a wedding a couple of years ago, and somebody said, "You're eating a cupcake." I said, oh. "Yeah, and I'm going to have two." Yeah, you know, because I don't eat this every single day, and this is a fantastic treat. Totally, and I'm going to love every single chocolate moment. Yeah, I might even have an orgasm because it's so good. <laughs> it's like the best cupcake I'd had in a really long time because yeah. I had buttercream. Oh yeah, I was like, "Let me just lick this." If you're going to have it, have it exactly. Yeah. And so when you have that deprivation, I think when people deprive themselves too, they it calls you from the cupboard mm-hmm. and so when you make when you take food as you take that evil or that bad thing away from it then in all foods out there like my food my cookbooks yeah. are all inclusive yeah. everything's in there i mean yeah. there's there's pulses and there's there's chicken and there's chocolate and there's like yeah. so nothing's off limits i'm an inclusive eater right yeah. so don't make don't make an enemy with food and that's why i think where we go down we go down the road to hell you know i mean it should be something that we love in our lives in terms of baking, we in North America, we tend to default to all-purpose white flour for everything, whether it's cupcake or pie or muffins, and, and that's sort of the go-to. And then these other flours, which you use, you have a whole palette of them, you know, in your cookbook. I have a whole drawer of, of grains and, you know, and the barley and oats and quinoa and spelt. But people sort of are familiar with them and don't know how to use them and, and are sort of intimidated. So what, what advice do you have for people who are, you know, want to make the leap from the white flour that you don't, you don't even use? I don't use right? it. I don't even make it with my gravy. And we, yeah. yeah. I use whole wheat flour for gravy because it's like, it's all Why purpose not? with bran and it's the same thing. It's just got a bit of fiber. Yeah. Um, yeah. How do we do that? Um, well, first of all, you can't just willy-nilly do it with, that, with your favorite recipe. So say mm-hmm. you have your favorite chocolate chip recipe that has all-purpose flour. You mm-hmm. can't just throw in barley because that same amount is going to absorb the liquid different and it's going to react differently to the fat. So, mm-hmm. you know, you need to go to a book that uses that kind of stuff. So, I mean, I've done all the legwork, so of course I want you to buy, you know, yeah. peace, love, and fiber. But, yeah. um, but that transition is easy because it doesn't actually taste – it does not change the flavor at all. Mm. All I'm doing is adding fiber into your baked goods. And that's how I do it basically. I use oat and, and barley flour, mm-hmm. um, which is high in soluble fiber, and it just bumps up the fiber in everything I use. I also use ground flaxseed meal. Um, there's, so there's ground flaxseed and there's flaxseed meal, and the meal is much finer, so that's what I use so that you're not actually getting a mouthfeel. You're just getting that fiber and the omega-3 fatty acids, mm-hmm. which I want you to have too. And um, nuttiness. Like and I, I, I like the, the yeah. flavor of yeah. you know, barley and, and flax. Like but it doesn't change it. It's not like in your no. face. Like you're no, no, no. go, whoa, what is that? It's not a specific flavor. It's just sort of a background note right. of, yeah. And I think it just kind of adds a roundness to it, yeah. too. You know? And More I mean, complex. I use a lot of cocoa powder because that's got a lot of fiber in it. And so those are my little tricks about putting in the baking. But I want you to embrace whole grains. Yeah. And so, so whether the whole grain is cooked, you know, pot or pearl barley... Mm-hmm. that you have with your dinner or whatever or you have wheat berries which is the whole wheat kernel mm-hmm. they, they call them wheat berries because it's sexier I think oh, yeah. yeah I don't yeah. know whatever but um or oat grouts so you could buy the whole thing and use that instead of a rice or you can use yeah. rice I'm a bit concerned about rice because of the arsenic yeah. um, and if you eat it a lot just be careful if you're living with celiac or you're gluten-free to not be heavy on rice because that might come to bite you in the butt yeah uh, I did not know this yeah then I even show you I in the book I'd explain how to cook the new way to cook rice now. So you can either soak it overnight or boil it in a big pot of water. But anyway. um, So yeah, I just want you to embrace whole grains. And the Canada's Food Guide now, the new one says, whole grains, half your plate is vegetables, the other quarter is protein. Come on. Yeah. So hello. You know what it is. So great. That's the diabetes plate. 
that has been the diabetes template for years. Mm-hmm. And I'm just glad Canada's Food Guide decided to agree with that because, yeah. you know, that's a great way to add fiber. Half vegetables, quarter whole grains, quarter protein. Boom. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, it, and I love that they also made a point of mentioning cooking together and sharing meals together and trying new things. You know, I, I, I just, it's so forward thinking I agree. To, to actually include that as advice. And a new study has come out in the last little while about loneliness in seniors. And one of the big ones is that they're not eating with people. Yeah. Like if you stay in your own home and you're just eating by yourself, mm-hmm. your nutrition goes down drastically, but it's more of the social aspects. Yeah. And although my mom and dad were both in their last, uh, my mom's last year and a half and my dad's last three months were in a, uh, like a, a retirement home, uh, and they didn't like to socialize very much. Uh, I think it was good for them to get out of their room and to go mm-hmm. down there just to see other people, mm-hmm. you know, so there is, there is, I love sharing food. Don't you love sharing? I Don't love you it. having dinner parties? It's my favorite thing. It's my favorite thing too. And yeah. it can, you can all bring potluck or you can just have, yeah. you know, toast. Like, totally. It doesn't have to be anything. It's just sitting anything. down and sharing. I know. I used to, I when it. my son was little, Willem was little, we, and a lot of people on the block had little kids and we we're all up way too early on Saturday mornings. <laughs> I, one morning I put a pot of coffee on and I started making donuts and I just, texted or put on Facebook or something if anyone's up come for coffee and donuts and and so that started being a thing we kind of on a regular basis I would just put on a big thing of donuts oh they were God. not high fiber Why donuts I but not live by you just put but little flowers. things See what yeah. yeah yeah but it, these little I, th- I, I think people put so much pressure on mm-hmm. the idea of entertaining I don't mm-hmm. even like the you know people say do you like to entertain like the pressure to you know put on this dinner party show or whatever is it doesn't have to be like that it can be pot of coffee and a batch of donuts or I I'm a Wednesday night a few years ago a friend texted and said oh do you want to come for dinner and I'm like it's it's Wednesday she said oh I'm just picking up some chicken burgers on the way home and you bring a, a salad or whatever and yeah. it was like oh that was amazing because we all have to eat all the time <laughs> so share share and I then you agree. hear about people having lunch clubs at work you know have you heard I of this know, I've not heard that yeah it's a genius idea right like such that. a good idea people yes. collaborating and, and feeding each other and then you you pay more attention when you're feeding a group rather than just packing your own lunch yeah. but there's so many opportunities I think to share food there is and, yeah. and I, with love yeah, you know, and, and when you make it meaningful and, and and you're mindfully eating because you're with the other people, it's just an it's an, an experience. Yeah, I went to Italy about 15 years ago to write an article called "Can We Do the Heart Health the Mediterranean Heart Healthy Diet in Canada?" Oh, and when I came home, the answer was no because we ha- we don't respect food. We don't sit down like they make a moment for every meal. They have three meals a day: breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Yeah. Everybody sits down. Nobody's wandering around eating mindlessly. No one's grabbing stuff and running. I mean, they make a moment of it. And I said, we don't have the same relationship with food and so anyway nobody let me write that article but (laughs) (laughs) but you got to go to Italy but I got to go to Italy yeah yeah bonus our relationship with food is so interesting well it's like it is it's like a relationship I mean Mm -hmm. it should be but a lot of people we have love hate ones Mm -hmm. and we have too many hate relationships and I just want you to make friends with food yeah you know and 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 just honor honor listen to your body and and like honor 
this is what we only get one of them, mm-hmm. you know, and I always think it is like a health GIC. And so the sooner you start depositing into the health GIC, the better your dividends are going to be down the road, you know? Oh, yeah. yeah. So you start early and, you know, and then by the time you're a hundred, like you will remember your name and be dancing at your own party. Right. So yeah. That's I mean, the like, trick. Yeah. That's the, well, I hope that's the trick. <laughs> that Let us know when, when you're a hundred. Yeah. Yeah, well, I'm having a party, man. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. I'll be catering. Anyway. <laughs> I catered my second wedding. Stupid idea. How did you do that? I was an idiot. That's how I did it. Day before, I'm weeping over pasta salad. It was awful. Yeah, it was stupid, stupid, stupid. Tell us the story about your... My colon? Okay, so I won't tell the first story. I'll tell the second story. So I finally got the date right and went to have a colonoscopy (laughs) and um, had it. And while you're in recovery, Mm -hmm. this doctor who had given me the colonoscopy came bursting into the room and went, I just want to tell you, you have the most beautiful colon I've ever seen. And like, what do you do? And I said, well, you know, I, this is kind of what I do for a living. He goes, well, it is the most beautiful colon. And he's like a hundred years old. So he's a lot. He was the oldest guy. I thought, wow, you've seen a lot of colons. I'm taking that as a compliment. Oh, yeah. So, then I had another one uh, just recently. And once again, he came over and he said, wow. I just got to tell you, but the part that he did, he says, for someone your age, and I went, what do you mean? He goes, well, no, I've seen a lot. You should have like 10 polyps, right? Yeah. And he goes, do you have, you have, I said, the most beautiful? He goes, yes, you have the most beautiful colon I've ever seen. (laughs) Uh, So I may have fed him the line, but anyway, still. Leading question. Yes. Two doctors both agreed that, wow. (laughs) Two out of two doctors agree. That should be on your book. That should be. The, the little author blurbs, right? Two out of two, two, two author, authors. Two doctors two agree. Said, yeah. <laughs> and Marilyn has the most beautiful colon, yes. And did you get a picture? Of my colon? Of your colon? No, I didn't know oh. you would do that. I'd, I got a printout with a whole Shut bunch of pictures up. of mine. Really? Because you could use it on your Christmas cards. <laughs> <laughs> Guess what this is? I would know exactly who it came from. <laughs> wow. Oh, you look fantastic from the inside. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> What about your gray hair and your saggy boobs? Oh, come on. That's funny. Gravity is, you know, gravity is not our friend. My husband had his first colonoscopy a couple years ago, and the guy came out and said, Wow, like, what are you doing? And I was with him, and I went, Well, thank you, and you're welcome. You know, so. (laughs) Totally. I know. I really want to take all a cookbook and go, Just leave this in your waiting room. Yeah. You can save people. So, really. (laughs) And it's such a simple thing. It's not these new superfoods, it's not, you know, no, groundbreaking keto. No. Keto doesn't even have. There, there's a, is there fiber in keto? Not much. There's like five percent carbs, and who yeah. knows what that carb is? Yeah. yeah. And you know, I'm in it for the long, the long haul. Mm-hmm. I'm in it for the marathon. Mm-hmm. And and the World Health Organization said that if you want to live a long life, I mean, basically, you want to reduce heart disease. I'm going to repeat this all again. Yeah. Because it's the same line. Good. Good. Heart disease, type two diabetes, stroke colorectal cancer and breast cancer, you have to have a higher fiber diet. And so that's not what these other fat diets are. And so, yeah, sure, you'll lose weight on them, mm-hmm. but what are you doing in the long run for your body? Like, yeah. And I really want you to live a long and healthy life. I don't want you to be in it for the short little, you know, the little sprint. I want you yeah. to be in for the marathon. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and you know what? They don't even really know what will happen in 10 years if you're following one of these fat diets. Like, what oh, is it yeah. going to do to your long-term health? No, they exactly. Don't know. I don't want to be a human guinea pig. No. You know, sign me up for the one that everybody's doing well on. That's the one that I want to be totally. on. Totally. Yeah. The one that has, yeah, proven effects around the world. And um, and versatility, right? It's not like you have to stick to one way of eating. It's 
Yeah, you, to, you know, that's what I said. It, have, you have an eating style. Yeah. Just to put more fiber into your eating style. Exactly. So whatever it is, if you're a vegetarian, if you're a vegan, if yeah. you only eat red meat, like whatever yeah. it is, just add more fiber to that and yeah. you're going to come out. I mean, you're winning as soon as you add more fiber. Yeah. You know, so it's like, yeah, yeah. yeah. this is like what we talked about before. It's adding things in. It's not saying, no, you shouldn't eat that. More just instead of less. More of this, yeah. yeah. And what happens is that when you do eat fiber, you feel fuller mm-hmm. because it actually turns into a viscous goo yeah. in your gut. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And when that happens, you actually aren't hungry. And so you will lose weight gradually, which is if you want to, that's a better way to do it. But that was not my intention. It's not for you to lose weight. This is not a diet book. It's like eat like this for the rest of your life and yeah. you will have unbelievable cholesterol. And, yeah. and then strange doctors will come up to you and ask you what you're doing when you have your colonoscopy. <laughs> Burst into the hospital yes, room. Yes. And what are you doing? That's my the world. I'm going to start working toward my five year colonoscopy. There you go. Right, well, right now. There's a chapter called How to Get an A Plus on Your Nose. I know, I know. So you study that, girlfriend. And you'll, you'll be getting that. And I want to report. Okay, I'll, do. I'll send you a scan. Okay, all right, good. <laughs> Thank you. It was so fun. So much fun. You're so much fun. You are so much no, fun. You're like the best playmate. Thank oh, you. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. You, I, I feel the same way. Okay, her. Hey, thanks for listening to the end of the podcast. Now, you may know that I always have a secret word at the end of each episode. And if you email it to me or send it by DM on social media, one of you will win a prize. I feel like the secret word for this podcast should be submarine, which is also a food, right? <laughs>